Maar is sê allemaal, ek gaan vir André vra, asof hy vir ons Psalm uh, 1 vers 1 tot 3 vir ons lees kan lees, asjeblief. Good morning everybody. Um, it's a pleasure to share the word of God with you in my home language. Um, ek lees van Psalm 1, die twee weer, verse 1 tot 3. Welgelukzalig is die man wat nie wandel in die raad van die godloose nie en staan in die weg van die sondags nie en sit in die kring van die spotters nie. Maar sy behaar is in die wet van die Heere en hy oordink sy wet dag en nacht. En hy sal wees soos een boom wat geplant is by waterstrome wat sy vruchte gee op sy tyd en waarvan die blare nie verwelk nie. En alles wat hy doen voer hy voorspoedig uit. Thank you, André. So we continue in the short series, which is growing longer, The Power to Change. And I said that we'd come back to the plus side of Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. So last week we looked at those verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because you can see God's mercy, His great mercy, offer your bodies... As, li- as a living sacrifice, notice that's the singular. In other words, it's not that we, it's that each one of us brings that which we govern, that which defines us in terms of our choices, our habits, the shape of our lives. Each one of us bring your bodies, plural, as a individual, singular, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this age or this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Cindy and I had been dating for about three or four months, and I realized that I needed to make a decision. This was not so long ago, because she's very young. Um, (laughs) Our relationship had reached a point where to continue without a deeper commitment would have been unwise and quite frankly unfair. But I was scared. I liked her. In fact, I already loved her. But I was too afraid to walk towards the commitment of marriage. You see, I'd come from a broken home. And so much about the world is that what comes before will define the future. And where do you find the power to walk differently and change? When there's something so deeply scripted, you see my parents, the two people from whom at that point I've derived so much of my identity, although tried very hard not to, um, (laughs) those two people had failed to stay together, even though at one point they were in ministry and followed Jesus and taught me my first steps of faith. And if, and if they couldn't do it, how, who was I to think that I could do it? And their divorce had cost them so much, cost us all so much. And so even though my heart wanted this very good thing, to commit to my love for Cindy, I realized I did not trust myself not to repeat their mistake. 
was frozen. But I had something going for me. Just about every day, I seek to meet with God. I open His words of life. And on a particular Wednesday morning, I was reading Mark chapter 6, where Jesus comes strolling across the waters in the middle of a storm to his disciples who are desperately trying to save their lives and row into this huge wind and waves. And he speaks these words which left 2,000 years from their circumstance in the boat to my circumstance literally in my bedroom where I was having my quiet time. And he said, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. And I knew there was what was in my heart was not simply my love for Cindy and my affection for Cindy, but his gift for us to follow his plans and purposes for our lives. And it was as if I knew I had work to do, but he was going to underwrite the contract. That if I followed him faithfully, I could trust him to give us the security that I thought I might not have. Now I thought of all that after the fact as it were. But in that moment, literally in seconds, and in the prayer meeting, Hillary's been stumbling over her words. I don't know what's going on. It's PBC uh, classic. She couldn't say PBC. I don't know what it was. But um, in the prayer meeting, she stumbled over her words, and I think she was trying to pray revolution or something, and um, revolutionary, and, and she nearly said revelationary, and I thought, gee, that's a good word. That's what can happen to us when revelation hits you. Like, literally, sometimes the power to change can take a while, but, but, but when you're receiving God's word as his word, it is revelationary revolutionary it carries the power to change and as those words came to me they changed me i changed and the power of the fear was broken in an instant and then it took me a, about whatever to race across the city and cindy was doing some training for scripture union out at rocklands kidnapper um, and uh, and tell her what God had done in my heart and then walk her into the middle of the ocean where the waves were all around us and uh, where she couldn't run away yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see there's something about and I do have that experience every day no but you know, when you sow the seeds of coming to God's word with faith over time, you never know when you get to see a harvest. You never know when you get to the, get the breakthrough. And what I had going for me was habits and patterns and routines that when the Holy Spirit wanted to use that, the well, to use the metaphor from last week, was well tended, was in place, and I could access what I needed. So someone said to me I should preach last week's sermon word for word all over again, and I disagree. But I will remind you quickly, 
You do need to decide to make time. It's not just going to happen. We give, offer, train, and discipline our bodies. Our bodies are the final frontier of obedience. Um, and then effort is essential. Earning is the error. It's not going to happen without effort. You can't earn God's favor, but you do have to put in work to be able to tend the well and receive that which you need. The power to be transformed is obviously a gift from God. The, the command we saw last week is in the passage, be transformed by doing something else. In fact, the spiritual disciplines are things we do that are within our power so that as we do them over time, God does what is within his power alone. And so we pray, expecting that God will do what's in his power alone. We seek God. We make time for God. And then obviously we have to resist the pressure to conform to this age, which is defined by the fall, a world in competition with God that ha also has a plan for your life. And therefore, the power to change comes by consciously training ourselves to think differently. And so Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if anything is lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You see, we are not just our beliefs, rather our beliefs are formed by what we focus upon. Now we want to develop this. So we've also had that image of the well, which the water is always God. But the disciplines that we put in place, and in particular his word, but also prayer, accountability, community, being together, confession, solitude. Oh, we could name so many. When you begin to put the different stones in place, you have the ability to go somewhere where you know again and again, repeatedly, there's safe, healthy, life-giving water. The object of the well is never pretty stones. The object of the well is the water. But you need the stones. So it will take time. It will take effort. That's not the same as earning. And it's not legalism. It's actually shaping your life to let your heart's desire find an avenue to God. And then we wrapped up with just looking at that picture of re-sowing a field where we've sown a field in our lives. All the plants are there. They're growing. The way we've conducted ourselves, the lies we've told or the, you know, the stuff we've done or the stuff we haven't done. And it's, and it's producing a harvest all the time, a harvest sown according to the flesh, according to just what we want. And it's going to take time to go back into the field of our lives and with the new seed that God gives, uproot the old and plant the new seed. And it will take time to work your way through the field. That's why it says, don't become weary and give up. It will take time to see the new thing that you've sown actually produce its harvest. So, the very fact that we're giving time is partly what shapes our mind. What you give your mind to shapes you. Remember DIY idols, do-it-yourself 
made in our own image gods when we give our minds to the wrong things. So, then Andre read for us this morning, Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law. They meditate day and night. That person is like a tree. Slightly different image. Not planted by a well, but planted by a stream, by streams of water. Yields its fruit in season. The leaf does not wither. Notice the fruit is seasonal, but the health of the plant is perennial. Keeps going. Whatever they do thrives or prospers. Now I want to get really, really practical about just coming to God's word today to renew your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is. So as you come, the first thing I'd recommend, and this is just a little bit of coaching now, start with some silence or a really simple prayer. You might want to play uh, some music or something like that with or without words and but but choose something super simple like here i am abba i love david's prayer may your unfailing love come to me O god psalm 190 Sometimes I just literally sit there and I pray again and again, Jesus, I believe in you. Let's start just quietly, whether it's out loud or just in my own heart. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. Sometimes I'll pray the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I'll just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. See, I want that atmosphere, and we're going to get into this next week, but the Bible doesn't, it was written in all capitals, okay? And then they reduced it to, and they had to work out where the capitals were. So the original script, they didn't have the lowercase. So it was a little bit difficult when we read our Bibles, the translators have had to decide when it's got a small s and when it's got a capital S. And sometimes ma making that decision is very important. And sometimes it's almost important not to make that decision. You see, the spirit of a team is like the chies, you know, the atmosphere they carry, the vibe, the, the kind of level of expectancy or courage or whatever they're carrying, the sense, of, the sense of space that they're in. And of course, there's a Holy Spirit who is true God of true God. But the Holy Spirit carries a small s in the sense that where he is there's freedom where he is there's truth where he is there is grace and so consciously just pausing for a moment to think what it would what would it be like to sit with my heavenly father right now and lean into that small s that, that courage that comfort that strength just come holy spirit What I also find that I need, and I brought my books, uh, uh, Nell, can you pass that? 
I, uh, I, I need some tools during that time to help me focus. And so I brought them so that I can show you how because I wanted to corrupt you and make you like me. Okay. Um, so you need to find then, secondly, some tools that work for you. Um, but even as you're silent, one of the first tools you might need is actually your journal or your do book. Um, so this book has my spiritual thoughts and my stuff from the church in the front, and it has to-do lists in the back. And I just write the date at the top, and I write down things that I realize I need to get done. If they're not in my diary, if they're really important, they'll go in fast. And I keep this nearby so that if I'm still, and I realize, oh, I need to, I need to see so-and-so, I should contact this, I, I need to get this done. I can quickly make a note so that I can forget about it. And, and so don't use your phone because it's going to have three notifications on it. And it's got that lovely thing called unsocial media that's just waiting for your time and your attention. It's got the siren song that's singing to you saying, come over here, come over here. You haven't been with me for 10 minutes. Come over here, you know. And so put your phone on to charge or whatever it is. But decide that you're going to focus. So I've gone completely analog. After trying diligently to go digital, I tried keeping my journal digitally. But the notifications and all those little easy things I think they're called apps. You just tap on it and voila, a whole world opens up that will swallow you. And it'll offer you the temperature and it'll offer you the time of the sunrise or whatever the app is. And then it'll offer you tomorrow's temperature and whether it's going to rain. Then you start thinking about tomorrow. And before you've got, you know, long, like Jesus is going, come on, son. Hello. Hey. You know. You're just going to have to get honest about what's running interference with your focus. I know this is a bit obvious, but you can, I, I've got a Bible, and I use it. And I've gone back all the way to underlining it and writing stuff. You know, when I was a kid, that was what I was taught to do. Your Bible is a workbook. And so, I mean, it's always traumatic when I have to change Bibles. Because I know that John 3.16 is the, on the middle page at the top in the right. And then I change. And then suddenly God's word has changed. No, it hasn't. <laughs> but, but literally when I'm trying to memorize scripture, I see its place on the page. I can still tell you that Jeremiah chapter 17 in my original Bible was on the far right hand column. And it started there and it had some amazing promises and some very upsetting things that God spoke to me about. And I knew how to find it. And then I just keep an El Cheapo journal. And I don't use this every single day, but I do try and use it every few days. And sometimes if I'm doing well, I do get to use it every single day. And I just want to capture the thoughts. See, what writing down does is it takes those senses that you had and it makes you do the extra work of just capturing the words. 
of bringing it together. Now I know all these things can go on my phone, your diaries there, your to-do list is there, etc., etc. Maybe you're stronger than I am and good for you. But most people I'm talking to are nodding and going, actually, actually, it's time to get this thing sorted out. Now there is some great material online. For example, the Lexio 365 prayer app is really great. Come to it afterwards, okay? You see, one of the things that you really want to learn to do as you mature in your faith is to prepare your own food. And if you're always relying on somebody else to set the menu, you're definitely going to miss out on some of the stuff. And also, for example, in the different Bible reading apps, the Bible in one year is really great. It might help you learn, but I would strongly recommend you do the reading and then you put the app aside and then you do the work that I'm going to show you in a minute. And then afterwards, you can go and look at what they said. And can I tell you that almost always you'll feel inadequate because they're going to have an introductory story, they're going to have an illustration, they're going to have a whole lot of stuff. So in one sense, you're thinking, I can't compete, I might as well just go there. No, no, no. You want to learn some of the skills we're going to look at in a minute. So I'm not knocking those things. I just want to talk about where we go first. Then the other thing is, if you're going to start with silence, get your tools ready. The other thing you're going to want to learn to do, I know this is hard. Are you listening? Hold a thought. We come from a culture that is highly visual and that actually can just swipe right, left, up, down and, and flash a thought. In the scriptures, they were oral cultures and the way that you retained information overwhelmingly was by holding a thought. And there's been research done in cultures that are oral cultures and even when writing has come, if they've retained some of those, not only are they actually a little bit smarter than the rest of us, um, but it's a learning style that when you learn to hold a thought. So you're reading a narrative or a story, and you think through the story. Just pause on the little bits of the story. Or if you're reading a parable, it's easy when you've been a Christian for a long time to say, ah, oh, I know this thing. No, no, no. Just go through it and hold the thought. Think the thought again. I sometimes will, if, especially if I know the text well, I'll actually read it out loud to myself to make sure that I'm actually listening and paying attention again. It takes work. <laughs> it takes an investment of time. If it's a statement, then break it down. Go over it several times, but learn to hold the thought. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Now, I mean, that's, it's, it's in me. I know that promise of Jesus. And if I come to it, one of the ways that I can just enter it again in the spirit of what he intended is to just emphasize a word at a time. My peace I give to you. And listen to Jesus speak the word to me. My peace. I give to you. I mean, you can already feel 
I'm like, oh, something's happening. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Yes, you. Yes, you. I can receive it. Learn to hold a thought. These are different skill sets than what we have in our culture. But remember, we don't want to be conformed to the age. We will be transformed by renewing our mind. And then aim for understanding. So what you're going to do, and that's really too quick, but you are going to ask yourself, what does it say? Theologians talk about observation. The task of saying, and, uh, and this is read and reread. You just go over the passage again and again. But then you're also asking yourself what kind of writing is here, what's the backstory, what's the context, because sometimes we just want to rip the words out of the context and just land them in our world. Sometimes that works. I mean, it worked for me in my earlier story. Sometimes it, it can lead you to make a bad interpretation. But then ask questions around like, how did this happen? What, where, who are the role players? Why, what was going on, etc. I sometimes find myself asking the question, how would I say the same thing in my words, like in everyday words that I would? Or maybe, what does another translation say? But then I need my phone and I need to be very careful. Then ask the question, so what does this mean? So what does it say? Take time over what it actually says. Then ask the question, what does this mean? This is observation, then into interpretation. And most times you're aiming for the plain meaning. What did the original writer or speaker intend? What would the original listeners or readers have understood this person to be saying? Helpful to first lean back into their story in order to make a good connection with yours. Remember, we live from story to story. We, we, we very seldom live the, like ideals. We often live that sense of story which, from which we get identity. So what was their story? And that helps you go forward. Then integration. Where and how does this fit with the rest of Scripture, especially on this topic? with the words and works of Jesus. And does this challenge anything that I tend to think um, about life and about God and whatever? So the integration is, it's not, you know, often people just say it's observation, interpretation, application. What does it say? What does it mean? What should I do? But you need to wrestle with, is this poking at my pet sort of like, you know, beliefs? Because maybe they're going to need a little bit of work. And then, of course, you want to get to your application. How does this land in my world? What's God saying that I can apply in my spirit and in my actions? And then sometimes you're just getting going on that. That's when I would lean into your journal. It's amazing once you start writing how the... the, the flow of thoughts then come. If you try and think it all beforehand, it would be hard to go back to your writing. So it has that sense of what it's meaning and application and everything is coming to you. Get going. And then you'll go back and you'll start writing and then you go back and you check it and, and suddenly before you know it, you're in a revelation revolution. 
some change is starting to happen because you're seeing what's going on inside the text. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That won't happen without offering your diary, your clock, and in fact, your body. <laughs> it's not legalism. It's simply how God has made us to be able to engage in the journey of meaningful change. So I'm going to pray and ask the worship team to come up and join us, and, uh, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its power to rewrite our hearts and our minds. And Lord, in, in some ways I feel like I've said the absolute obvious today. Help us do the absolute obvious. Help us do. Help us do. As we open your word. As we bring ourselves to stillness. As we invite you to come. As we put in the work. that enables us to be transformed by renewing our minds. So maybe you want to sink into the week ahead. What's first in your diary tomorrow morning? I mean, it's that practical, isn't it? Does something need to move? Does something need to change? If you're not a morning person, then how does your day land? That's where you're going to make time. Jesus, won't you come? Teach us to live with hearts and minds made new. In Jesus' name, amen.